Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 30. The Screwtape Letters, Letter 15. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast where David, Andrew, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. This season, we are eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon, Screwtape, as he explains how to tempt the patient, a human assigned to be tempted by Screwtape's nephew, Wormwood. Each week, we'll be considering a different letter, untwisting Screwtape's hellish logic, and forming a battle plan for our own spiritual lives. And today we're recording the day before Christmas Eve, which is probably weeks ago as you're listening to this, because <laughs> David is on top of things this season with a huge spreadsheet. So we're way ahead of schedule. <laughs> yeah, we're just being organized. And also, I think this is actually a really good chapter to read before we effectively break for the holidays. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the letter was about, even though I read it three hours ago <laughs> to see if I agree with that statement. Well, there's a clue in the song title, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. Because in today's letter, Screwtape discusses what to do with the lull in the war. And he says that the, the patient is starting to feel more relaxed. And Screwtape explains to Wormwood whether or not he should make the patient more anxious or less anxious. And in particular, whether he should concentrate his mind on the past, the present, or the future. And this actually wasn't the only song suggestion that we had. As I mentioned before, John Marr has given me suggestions for the rest of the chapters. Uh, he's a wonderful listener. And one of his suggestions was Life During Wartime by Talking Heads, which was a solid suggestion. Uh, and I had initially come up with Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. But in the end, I settled on another of John's suggestions. It's a song by Fleetwood Mac, where they echo Screwtape's advice. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Screwtape wants the patient to think about the future, and apparently so do Fleetwood Mac. And just to save face, because I like to show the goofy side and my Taylor Swift side, so everyone assumes I have terrible music taste. He does. I do have a vinyl record player with just great <laughs> classics, and I have this Fleetwood album, or Fleetwood Mac album. So I, I do listen to that, and I love Cindy Lauper. And so I'm, I'm very much, I, like, I really like 80s, 90s. Uh, the, the record player has got me massively into that. Wow, you're such a hipster. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I, I'm uh, not... This sounds so much better on the vinyl. <laughs> you know what? Before turning to, before turning 30 here in about four months, I realize it's time that I start culturing myself, both uh, movie and musically. And so I'm working on it, David. Dude, what do you think I've been trying to do to you for the last three years? I'm giving in. I'm caving. It's been a <laughs> slow fade, to be honest. Oh, Nice. See, I was actually about to uh, allude to Mulan and saying, I've been trying to make a man out of you. (laughs) (laughs) I could probably use that too. Actually, as an aside, on the Slack channel, we've been sharing covers of well-known songs. And I shared a rock cover of Mulan's I'll Make a Man Out of You. I'll share it in the show notes. It's amazing. I now listen to it every time I'm about to go to the gym just to psych me up. No way. Okay. I have to listen to this. I swear I read the Slack channel every day, but I don't always click the links in the videos to be fair. You're missing out, man. I know. Let's go to the quote of the week. And to be honest, I found, David found one and then I found one that I really liked. And then I realized his was really good too. So you're going to get two quotes of the week this week. Matt used to be indecisive. Now he's not so sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh. God would have them continually concerned either with eternity, which means being concerned with him, or with the present, obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. What I particularly like, David, when you selected that was the present voice of conscience, the present cross, the present grace. It is just very beautiful there. And I like how those cross and grace because those go very yeah. hand in hand. And then mine, I also liked. If he is aware that horrors may be in store for him and is praying for the virtues wherewith to meet them, and meanwhile concerning himself with the present, which we just learned what that is, because there and there alone, all duty, all grace, all knowledge, and all pleasure dwell. His state is very undesirable and should be attacked at once. I mean, that we, we've talked about the law of undulation, for example, and we've talked about trying to get out of the law of undulation. We've had a lot of beautiful conversations on here of suffering, struggles, temptations, vices. What I really liked about that second one was the fact that it's not, you don't say to yourself, I pray God that next year is is more beautiful than this year. It's okay to do that, but I would say a bit more beautiful prayer is, Lord, I pray that you provide the virtues necessary to handle whatever comes next year. That is a really beautiful prayer. And so that's why I chose that quote of the week. Do you know why I like your quote? No, but I'm really intrigued now. It has the word duty. <laughs> I can't wait to kill that. I thought you were going to say I, I found a more wise thing or something and you didn't realize how good it was. Oh, that, that as well. That as well. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, wow me with your Scotch knowledge by telling me what the drink of the week is. It's, it's technically, unfortunately, not my advent calendar. So it's not going to be, I have that one where every single week it's a different one for 24 days although I'm doing them weekly. But this is my favorite outside of Macallan 12. So for listeners, if you're like, Macallan 12 is getting, it's pricey. It used to be 45 bucks when I started like, and it's now pretty much $75, $80. So I don't drink that on the regular. I get like maybe one or two a year. This is Dewar's White Label. I find it to be an incredibly good introductory scotch and it's 25 bucks, maybe 30. And it's way, it's way better than the price suggests. Usually I would never touch a $25, $30 scotch. You'd think they would be just awful. Not that you're a hipster or anything. <laughs> so what I, I learned, so uh, the, on the nose, it talks about honey, peach, apple, wood. But mm, what's interesting- I, I love the then, apple. Oh, do you have to do as white label? You sent it to me. I didn't know that was a part of it. I mean, I just put so many in the basket. I don't remember what they were. That is so great that you had this. I see. see your problem is you're too generous. <laughs> I just, well, now you know it's a cheap one, so I don't really know there's much generosity there. <laughs> but I, I definitely get the apple, and I, it's like fresh wood. Yeah, that's yes. lovely. Well, you get all that. But then when you taste it, what you're going to realize, have you ever had this, David? I haven't. Okay, so what you're going to realize, it talks about on the palates some fudge, toffee, honey, and it'll talk about the finish of honey. You actually do taste the sweetness. Ooh, that that's actually rather nice. It's, Isn't it? It actually it actually reminds me of 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 honey whiskey. Yes, it is, it is quite strong, quite sweet. I'm not sure if I'd want to drink too much of this. Yes, but as a uh, as as something just to sip on in an afternoon, or who knows, maybe before breakfast on a really bad day. This is lovely. <laughs> Listeners are recording at twelve thirty Eastern time and David's Pacific time. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's it's 
I like your honey whiskey, but just note it's not actually sticky sweet or anything like that. It's sweet for a scotch, which relatively speaking is still a scotch. So it's phenomenal introductory one, I would say. Yeah, I would definitely say if you if you're a sweet tooth sort of person and you haven't liked scotches in the past, this is probably a good option. There isn't too much burn. There's definitely some warmth there in the finish, but Mm -hmm. there's not too much bite and it is very sweet. But as Matt says, it's not the sticky sweet of of honey of honey whiskey. And I also did not realize, I don't think I've ever actually had this neat. I honestly assumed because it was cheap, I've always thrown it over ice and on the rocks. It's my first time having it neat for this tasting. I like this neat. I think I might start having it neat. <laughs> well, we don't have a, we don't have a toast today. So um, since we are about to have Christmas, uh, well, let's toast to Santa. Toast to Santa. Well, if you want to make sure he brings you plenty of good gifts. Cheers. Cheers. I don't want to open up a can of worms, David, but I'm genuinely curious at some point, maybe after this, but listeners might want your quick 30 second thoughts. I listened to a apologist uh, by a podcast similarly named to ourselves, <clears throat> who did, a, <laughs> who did, which we might have gotten with, the idea from here. With an accent not entirely dissimilar to my own, but not exactly <laughs> the same either. He did a video of how he thinks it's morally against faith to lie to your kids about Santa. I had my disagreements with it, but he tried to lay it out and he tried to lay Thomas Aquinas and arguments for what is lying and stuff. And obviously someone who has great family traditions with Santa. My natural biases was I'm going to figure out, rationalize the way he's wrong. But it was interesting. <laughs> I think you can in- enjoy fairy tale with your kids without having to uh, purposefully mislead them. I think so too. Well, enough of the pre-chit chat. How about the beautiful chapter summary that you work so diligently every week to put together? Yeah. So we are on letter 15 today, which was first published in The Guardian on the 8th of August, 1941. Incidentally, Paul McCusker, he notes in his annotated edition of the Scutic Letters that two days before this letter was published in The Guardian, Lewis had just offered the first of the broadcast talks for the BBC, which would later become Mere Christianity, which we discussed in season one. And sorry, one last little pre-chit chat. Thank you, David, for the books. Now that I'm at my grandparents, he sent them to, he thought my address was the grandparents or that's the one he had files. So he sent books to me, I think two months ago, probably. And I just haven't been here. I'm like 45 <laughs> minutes an hour away and I, I arrived yesterday for the holidays. And there we go. There they are. So they annotated and uh, the William O'Flaherty and then there's like a medieval one. So thanks for those, David. Yes. And you've got to read the medieval one because you're going to be interviewing the author in the new year. <laughs> oh, there's the reason. <laughs> I'll get on that now over break. It's like, here's a present. By the way, this is homework. <laughs> no, it's a it's a wonderful book. I think you're going to really love it. Okay, I appreciate that. Now back to your summary. Okay, here's my 100-word summary for letter 15. There is a lull in the war, and the patient's anxiety level is starting to fall. What should one would do? Screwtape says that God wants humanity to focus on the present and eternity. Screwtape, therefore, wants us to live in either the past or the future, but has a preference for the future. This is because it is full of uncertainty, inflaming hopes and fears, and is the home of all vice. He concludes that the patient should only be peaceful if he thinks everything will be okay, which will build up resentment if it should not. So, listeners, this is a quick recap. You remember last week, the episode with Crystal, which was a blast to record, we learn that the patient's in a very dangerous spot from Screwtape's perspective. And I love how these chapters build on each other. 
So after the trough period we have talked about, after the slow fade, the patient actually came to a point of this reconversion in this beautiful spot of recognizing that he's flawed and human and needs to pray for his daily and hourly temptation, like the daily and hourly bread, which interestingly enough, it's not quite as much of a segue as previous chapters are, but I still think the fact that he's practically starting to live in the present moment. Like I need to take my daily and my hourly temptation rather than like I usually do of I'm making this grand gesture that I'm going to white knuckle this for the rest of my life rather than saying, you know what? I just need to focus on today. <laughs> and so this week it's exciting because we're going to be talking about this present, future, past. When is it okay to live in the future a little bit? How do we bring that in? And what I'm particularly excited for is there's a powerful section at the end that Screwtape describes what the real state looks like. It's someone who's in a, a startup in a business position. I'm constantly thinking about the future. And I was like, when I read it, I go, I'm thinking more like Screwtape wants me to think. But the way they describe <laughs> how the Heavenly Father wants us to think, I'm like, God, man, how do I get there? That sounds like a burden lifted off my shoulders just reading that, that it's possible to get there. So I just tease all that because this is a really great letter and there's going to be some beautiful stuff despite it being short and a little bit more direct. Yeah, it's definitely a short letter this week. So we'll see how we do on time. <laughs> yes. But it kicks off with Screwtape writing, I had noticed, of course, that the humans were having a lull in their European war, what they naively call the war. Uh, and and just, just in that opening section, I, I can imagine Lewis thinking rather cynically about the Great War, what we now call World War I, because they thought that this was going to be the war, the war to mm -hmm. end all wars. It will, And Screwtape, who has a much more eternal perspective on such things, uh, realizes that this is one of many. <laughs> anyway, he goes on. I'm not surprised that there is a corresponding lull in the patient's anxieties. Do we want to encourage this or to keep him worried? And Screwtape's prescription here is, is wonderful. He says, tortured fear and stupid confidence are both desirable states of mind. <laughs> and once again, I can't help but want to bring it to the current political stage, uh, the current political situation in the United States. Tortured fear, stupid confidence. Uh, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but I'll just say I see a lot of it on social media. He tends to like the extremes. In either way, we're seeing that a lot in the screw tape letters. That's another maybe small sub theme. And then what is it? The only extreme that's good, David? Is extreme devotion to the enemy. And by well that, done. he means God. <laughs> now, he says, which of these we choose, the tortured fear or the stupid confidence? It turns on, a, on some important questions. Now, in earlier letters, Screwtape had spoken about the amphibious nature of humanity. And by that, he meant that we're composed of flesh and spirit. We sort of have a foot in both worlds. Well, in this letter, Screwtape speaks about another way in which humanity has a foot in two different camps. He says, the humans live in time, but our enemy destines them to eternity. He, therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things, to eternity itself and to the point of time which they call the present. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. I've got to say, when I first read this, I never thought of the present in that way, mm -hmm. that it's where it touches eternity. It actually made me think of, well, you're not that old. Uh, for, the, for, the, for the old people among us, uh, there was once upon a time when we had writable CDs, but you could typically write them only once. I and it's kind of like... David. Uh, you're, you're aware, you read about them in your history books. Uh, uh, so you could write these things, but you could only do it once. And that's kind of what the present is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to last forever. It's going to be frozen in time 
uh, but you only get to do it once. It reminds me of something one of my friends used to say. She says, you can't live in the past, you can't live in the future, you can only live in the now, and it's a gift. And that's why it's called the present. Well done. I don't think it's a coincidence either. Think of uh, G.K. Chesterton. You wonder one thing I really like that he describes. People used to use the argument that you see a lot of truth and wisdom that we claim in Christianity in other philosophies or religions. Therefore, it just shows it's all man created. Instead, he points out how, in fact, if there really is a creator God and there's truth and wisdom in, in that we've learned of him, there'll be some people that figure it out in different ways and in incomplete ways. So he argued it actually points more towards the fact of a creator and call it a single truth. Well, what's interesting is I've read books by atheists and other philosophical things like Eckhart Tolle, I'm probably not saying his name right, but the power of now. Mm-hmm. And you're really seeing yeah. this come a lot today with this new age thinking, if if that's the proper term to call this, of living in the present moment, living in the now, the power of now. Uh, there's other individuals that are doing it very much, but it's it's interesting. And as I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, because of course in Christianity we teach it's important, but I was asking, why is it, what is it about the present? And I like how he answers it here. But when you understand that God is omnipresent, he's outside of time and he's always present at all points. And is that the right term, by the way, omnipresent? Yep. Often we would talk about that in time, but yeah, I think you could equally use it in terms of trans time across all moments of time, he is always present. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's when I was, because when I was first reading this, my thought was, well, what is it about the present? And, you know, Lewis, you can make this comment, but that doesn't make it true. But then when he backs it up later and he discussed that's it, it's what makes us, when we're doing that, we're most an, an, analogous to the creator himself. I was like, ah, that makes sense. Now I see the connection. And Screwtape explains what we're meant to be doing with the present. There's a passage in sacred scripture in the New Testament where St. Paul speaks about uh, making the most of the present hour. And it would be easy for a hedonist to look at that passage and assume that St. Paul is talking about uh, living in the moment and just uh, just getting the most fun out of life as much as you can because soon you're going to be dead. But that's not what St. Paul means. He means uh, use your, the present wisely. Uh, pursuing things that are good, true, and beautiful. And Screwtape actually echoes this. He says that God wants us to uh, think about eternity and the present. Eternity, because we're going to be with him forever. And in the present, we're thinking about eternity, but we are also making the most of the present hour. Uh, As he says here, uh, and this comes from the quote of the week, obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, and giving thanks for the pres- present pleasure. That's quite hard to say. <laughs> present pleasure. Say that 10 times fast. No, not going to do it. <laughs> uh, so if that's God's goal for us, uh, what does hell suggest? Screwtape says that getting the patient to live in the past can be rather good. He says, our business is to get them away from the eternal and from the present. With this in view, sometimes tempt a human, say a widow or a scholar, to live in the past. Why do you think he picks those two, a widow or a scholar? I would assume a scholar because maybe he thought of himself as one. (laughs) And so he's maybe, a lot of times he, he thinks on his own personal experience with stuff. So maybe he's thinking of himself as a scholar, thinking in the past, maybe a widow from his father after his mother died and... Do you call a man still a widow? Uh, he's a widower. 
widower now. So, so you made that about Lewis. I just thought more generally. So scholars typically have a keen interest in the past. If you are an English mm. scholar, you read old books. If you are a classic scholar, you read old books in Greek. Uh, so you're used to spending so much of your time in the past anyway. Uh, just Screwtape is saying keep their attention there. And, and as for widows, remember the mother in The Great Divorce. Remember the conversation that she has? The bright spirit who comes to visit her says, You're wrong. No man ever felt his son's death more than Dick. Not many girls love their brothers better than Muriel. It wasn't against Michael they revolted. It was against you, against having their whole life dominated by the tyranny of the past. And not even really Michael's past, but your past. You are heartless. Everyone is heartless. The past was all I had. It was all you chose to have. It was the wrong way to deal with the sorrow. It was Egyptian, like embalming a dead body. So Good find if, if that. Thanks. So if someone's a widow, they're naturally going to be looking into the past when their loved one was still alive. So I think both scholars and those who have had people close to them who have died, they are very susceptible to try and live in the past, or as it's explained in The Great Divorce, embalming. Is trying to preserve the past in the present. I did find it somewhat interesting that they say, so sometimes they want to attempt the to patients to live in the past, i.e. saying, but not always. And they somewhat mention how it's of little value. And as we're going to see in a bit, and we're going to talk about the future and talk about other positions of present and the future, there is still something good about the past. The past can lead to gratitude when reflected mm-hmm. in the proper way. And then it can, it also still does embody reality, you know, a, re- a reality you might be getting too stuck to, but we've talked about, it's a very Lewis theme, truth, reality go hand in hand. So having at least some semblance of reality means it's not a perfect tool for screw tape because there is still something rooted that can be good and true and beautiful in the past. It's obvious if you get hung up on it, that can be powerful. Or if you get hung up on the bad, the untrue and the ugly, but I thought that was interesting. The past isn't terrible. Of the three, if you're going to screw up and not being the present, at least the past past is better than the future. Yeah, I think the past has a lot of value to it. I mean, one of the most repeated refrains in the Bible is remember. You know, mm-hmm. Again and again in the Psalms and in the Proverbs, I'm currently reading Sirach, it, you're called to remember what God has done in the past. And like you say, it fills you with gratitude and hope for the future. Uh, yes. But yeah, Screwtape says that the downside of having the patient live in the past is that they have some real knowledge about it, and it has a determinate nature, uh, and as you say, it's real in that same way, like eternity. Uh, I mean, Screwtape doesn't say this, but you can imagine him offering further advice on uh, how to compensate for these disadvantages by having a patient live in the past, much like the mother in The Great Divorce. I'm actually a little surprised that this section is this short. Because I think there are definitely things that Screwtape can do to encourage us to live there uh, and, as you say, yield all of the bad fruit that the that concentrating on the past can bring. And we can even connect this to a previous letter that Lewis doesn't. Think of the trough period when I was having those revelations, as you were mentioning things, of sometimes trying to like reascend the mountain that you came down from of your spiritual high, whether it's for the first few months of your conversion, maybe the first few years. But when everything is feeling good and great, I'm trying to get back to that past. But as you've talked about, there's a different kind of beauty. Training wheels are coming off and you got to look to the future in a, in a positive sense here. <laughs> so <laughs> I only bring that up because 
there there's like good, there's bad, there's different ways. Lewis really just kept it simple in this chapter, but there's a lot of ways you can think about this. So even spiritually focusing on the good of your spiritual past too much can be dangerous as well. Now, what Screwtape says is far better is this. It is far better to make them live in the future. Biological necessity makes all their passions point in that direction already. So that thought about the future inflames hope and fear. Also, it is unknown to them. So that in making them think about it, we make them think of unrealities. In a word, the future is, of all things, the thing least like eternity. I can't remember what part. Was it screw tape? Was it some other Lewis book? Or maybe something outside of Lewis that I just remember. But the thing was, it was Lewis. It was one of the chapters. When you're focusing on the future, you're starting to think about all these unknown states that will probably never actually come to realization. That was mm-hmm. one of these letters, actually. Wasn't it one of yeah. our earlier ones? It was indeed. Yeah. Thinking, have the patient worry about a series of mutually exclusive possible futures. Worry about all of them at the same time. When, when in reality, not all of them that could even happen. Like, yeah. pure logically, your brain, you should tell yourself, only one of these maybe could. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he means when he says, biological necessity makes all their passions point in that direction already? I know we have different listener bases and different denominations and stuff, so I be a little bit careful here, but to some degree, I would guess it maybe has to do with a little bit the evolutionary side. I know not everyone espouses to that to varying degrees, but I would say if you espouse some degree of it where you have this natural selection, your your body's been trained to think about the future and survival. And so from a, a biological perspective, everything you do, even like your dopamine hits are about making you desire to get more food that's high caloric because you want that for your sustenance. And so I, I think that's because that survival mechanism and survival tends to be focusing you towards the future. I would agree. And I would just say at the most basic level, you've probably already thought about when and where you're going to eat today and what you might even have. You naturally think about your own bodily preservation. You probably have a pretty good idea as to mm-hmm. where you're going to sleep tonight. <laughs> All of these things require, require us to think about the future, and it's something that we do innately. We're going to talk in a sec about the vices, but I thought that was interesting to be rooted in the future. I'll be curious your thoughts on that. Yes, we'll get there in a moment. Uh, but there are a couple of things I want to point out about this, this section. What Screwtape really seems to love about the future is its uncertainty. And as a result, it can nurture either hope or fear. And we already spoke about the earlier episode where he wants the patient to worry about these mutually exclusive futures. Uh, and as well as the uncertainty, it's the unreality of the future. It's, it's not real. Uh, whichever theory of time you ascribe to, either way, it's not here yet. <laughs> now, before we speak about vice being in the future, Screwtape points out that uh, a series of schemes of thoughts which fix men's attention to the future. He gives the example of creative evolution, scientific humanism, and communism. And he said, all of these focus on the future. And I think what all of these are is they are effectively godless ways of looking at the future. Uh, they are ways of, uh, of trying to bring heaven on earth, but not requiring God. Uh, utopia by some other means. And for new listeners, I'll just explain what each of those schemes are. We've mentioned creative evolution before in letter seven. And it was an idea developed by the French philosopher Henri-Louis Bergson. And it's the idea of, I think today we would talk about the universe guiding someone. 
it, it, it's that kind of idea. It's an impersonal force moving through time, guiding us towards a brighter and brighter future. Scientific humanism argued that humankind's full potential could be achieved through human effort alone. Again, it doesn't require a supernatural force. And the last one I think more people will be familiar with, communism, which is an attempt to build a classless society where goods and services are collectively owned. Again, it's this kind of paradise, it's this utopia, but one brought about not through supernatural means. And if you're wondering, because when you mentioned that these are, we, want, we almost want to have God without God through these things, what's interesting is Lewis was so right on this. There is a book that I've mentioned before on this podcast, maybe two years ago. I only listened to the speaker talk about it for an hour. I did not read the book, but I think it was called Homo Deus. And it was essentially this idea that as evolution goes on, we become the gods that we have created was their argument. Like these, what we espouse and attribute to God, we will become as we become more advanced scientifically. So exactly what you're saying is what, argument was with evolution. And this is how he comes to the statement that nearly all vices are rooted in the future. When you adopt a system like that, it is inevitably going to uh, produce problems. Screwtape says, gratitude looks to the past and love to the present. Fear, avarice, lust, ambition look ahead. And he even explains that lust isn't an exception here. When when the, the, the pleasure arrives, the thing you've been lusting after, when, when it arrives, it's already over. And he says, the pleasure is just a part of the process which we regret and would exclude if we could do so without losing the sin. Screwtape has no interest in, in the pleasure part. And he says, that's the part that's contributed by God and is therefore experienced in the present. He says, the sin, which is our contribution, looked forward. And what's so interesting, I mean, I have... I have shared this with men, particularly, but I know this is a male-female thing, but with sexual temptation, lust, you've got masturbation, pornography, things that tons of humans struggle with and plenty of people that just heard me say that struggle with it. I've talked to guys about it and it, even as a male, you, you're thinking to yourself, you have so much anticipation and excitement. Like, you know, when your desire is starting to rage and roar and it's going strong and you're, you're, you're thinking about it in the thought and that's getting you. And then if you actually give into the action, into the, the temptation, it's amazing how you're immediately flooded with shame and guilt exactly as described here. Lewis was very much onto something. And so I'll share with people who are struggling with it. When you feel that, actually sit in that moment and really feel it because that can help you overcome it. Because when you're tempted, you're not actually thinking about that shame and guilt. You're only thinking about the pleasure. And then all of a sudden afterwards, it's like, man, that wasn't, first of all, near what I thought it was going to be. And it didn't fulfill all of my dreams and happiness and all of the things that you're essentially thinking and, and fix all of my problems and issues. And so I, he's, he's spot on with that, honestly. But Screwtape does say that God wants us to think about the future too, just so much as necessary for now planning the acts of justice or charity, which will probably be their duty tomorrow. So that's the sense in which we're to think about the future, only insofar as planning the good that we're going to try and do. He says the duty of planning the morrow's work is today's duty, though its material is borrowed from the future. The duty, like all duties, is in the present. Now, Screwtape says that this isn't straw splitting. He says God doesn't want men to give the future their hearts to place their treasure in it. We do. That's what's so great about the future. If, we, if you, when, you, when you put all of your hopes in, in the future, particularly one that is going to be of your own making and your own achievement, uh, nothing but badness is going gonna, is gonna to come from that. This next part, 
is exactly what I was referring to in the beginning here uh, of what the perfect scenario looks like and it reading it lifted the burden off my shoulders. So let me, let me read this a little bit. Here's what Screwtape writes. His ideal, so this is referring to our Heavenly Father. His ideal is a man who, having worked all day for the good of posterity, if that is his vocation, washes his mind of the whole subject, commits the issue to heaven, and returns at once to the patience or gratitude demanded by the moment that is passing over him. That, oh, could you think about that for a second? I mean, that's, I think you've sent me that quote, David, and I actually sent it to a couple of clients of mine who are in the, the markets too, because the markets are just very uncertain short term. And, and it essentially says, do what is right and leave the rest to God. Lewis writes that to someone. And that's just, that's essentially what he's spelling out in a different way here. Do what you're called, do posterity, then let it go, live in the moment, give it to heaven in eternity. So hard to do, <laughs> but man, that would be amazing if it was just second nature. And once again, Screwtape gives us the hellish alternative, which he would much prefer. He says, we want a man hag-ridden by the future, haunted by visions of an imminent heaven or hell upon earth, ready to break the enemy's commandments in the present, if by doing so we make him think that he can attain the one or avert the other, dependent for his faith on the success or failure of schemes whose ends he will not live to see. And this is, this, this is the real danger of some of those systems that I talked about earlier, when it will be the all-justifying excuse. I mean, how many, how many of the um, revolutions in like the 20th century started from uh, the goal of bringing equity and justice, but it ended in tyranny? And it ended in tyranny because, because the cause was just, that meant any rule could be broken in, ach- in achieving that utopia. It's embodied in the phrase, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. When you are willing to sacrifice anything or anyone to achieve this good goal, it will very rapidly become twisted. There's things I, I want to say, but I'm not sure if they told a line of two political, so I'm just going to pass. <laughs> well, I mean, we can at least say look back on things like the, the, the communist regimes when they mm-hmm. purged people for the good of the state. When the state is your ultimate good, that means you can sacrifice human capital. It's no longer people being made in the image and likeness of God. They are cogs in the machine. They are workers for the system that must be sacrificed for the greater good. And the thing is, it will never be achieved. Scripture even says we want the, a whole race perpetually in pursuit of the rainbow's end. Never honest, nor kind, nor happy now, but always using as mere fuel wherewith to heap the altar of the future, every real gift which is offered them in the present. And I will state, and I'll be like in a modern time, one of the big things that I see with this is exact justification. And I want to be careful because there are people with stories that I don't know. So I want to say this delicately and gently. Um, and there's just been a lot of misinformation around there around this subject. So I, I sympathize with people. But I look at the abortion issue. It's one where it's justified in a sense that it leads to, it allows more freedom and it prevents discomfort. And, it, and they honestly, it's it's argued in a way that's very much for the benefit of family and society. It's trying to seek a good. It's trying to seek relief from anxiety and fear of the future. Yes. But the question is always at what cost? What is what is what is the human capital that is spent in that? Yes. And that was when I was <laughs> I just never liked to get in those things, but that's just a very it's a it's a, a a tough issue and so but that's one that fits perfectly with the justification. Sorry if I made anyone upset. <laughs> 
Well, let's look at the final section of the letter where Screwtape says that all other things being equal, it's better for the patient to be filled with anxiety or hope, he says it doesn't really matter which, about the war than him living in the present. So if you remember at the at the top of the letter, there was the question, you know, tortured fear or stupid confidence. Screwtape ultimately says it doesn't really matter, just don't let him live in the present. And then he talks about that phrase, living in the present. And he says it's somewhat ambiguous. He says it may describe a process which is really just as much concerned with the future as the anxiety itself. Your man may be untroubled about the future, not because he is concerned with the present, but because he has persuaded himself that the future is going to be agreeable. So he doesn't worry about the future because he just has this solid idea that the future is just going to be great. And Screwtape says that uh, as as long as that is the real cause of his tranquility, uh, he says that's great because he's just saving up disappointment for himself in the future because his, his hopes are going to be dashed at some point. It's it's never always consistently good forever. So it means that when that disappointment does come, it will hurt so much more. He will be so much more infuriated. It will not. He will seem cheated out of. The, the wonderful perpetual happiness that he had promised himself. I just picture screw tape and Wormwood watching and sitting in their chair. Mm, as I watch the patient all warm inside, excited for this false hoped future that he has. And they're just like, mm, T minus 242 days. He, <laughs> we are going to squash him. <laughs> Probably just, not oh. even that long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they won't give him that much pleasure. But there is another way in which he can live in the present. And that, again, goes back to our quote of the week where he's just simply concerned with his current duty and the current moment. And uh, Screwtape says that if that's the case, we've, we've got to sort that out quickly. And once again, the philological arm of hell comes to his rescue. He says, try using the word complacency on him. You know, how many times do we see others around us who are peaceful in the midst of crisis? And we're kind of almost angry at them at them being so peaceful. And we'll often cast that as, oh, they're just being complacent. Not perhaps what they really are doing, which is doing what they can in the present moment and just trusting the Lord. And, and the one thing left out there a little bit that was my favorite part of it, pray for the virtue to withstand whatever comes. Imagine that prayer. Like that's that, by the way, is now going to become up there and maybe top five things that I get from Lewis of my prayer of being God, thy will be done. You know, I got that from the great divorce. This one's going to be you know, Lord. Just, I pray for the virtues to be able to get through whatever the future is. <laughs> I mean, that is, think of that prayer every day. Mm. Mm. I remember somebody sharing with me a little while ago. It was dear Lord today. I have been kind and patient and loving to all those around me. But in a moment, I'm going to get out of bed and the day is going to begin. <laughs> Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh, I love it. Well, just the last bit of the letter, Screwtape wraps up that uh, for a lot of people, living in the present is not for any of those above reasons, be it uh, being utterly convinced that the future is going to be super duper and rosy. And it's not because he's uh, just living day by day with the Lord. It's just simply natural. You know, that it's he's his health is good. He's enjoying his work. Uh, there aren't any real stresses on him. And Screwtape vindictively says, 
All the same, I should break it up if I were you. No natural phenomenon is really in our favour. And anyway, why should the creature be happy? <laughs> There's actually, I didn't write anything on that, but that's that last thing, no natural phenomenon is really in our favour. There's a little wisdom right there in the last two sentences. Yeah, we come back to the idea that we've touched a few times now that pleasures are from the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. God is a hedonist, as Screwtape says. Well, that's, that makes me feel so much better. Well, what about unscrewing Screwtape? What have you got for that? Yeah, my first one is a big one. Do pray for the virtues to meet the good and the bad of the future. And I did want to stress to meet the good, because you also need virtues to handle the good, and those would be humility. Sometimes it's like, give me the strength to handle whatever bad comes my way. No, you should equally pray for the right virtues to handle whatever goodness comes your way. (laughs) Uh, Mine is an obvious one. Do live in the present. My other one was do what is right and then leave the rest to God. Mm Mm-hmm. And that can mean your duty of planning a bit for the future. Like as if you're a parent, doing what is right is properly planning for the future. But then let it go. Offer it up to God. Well, that relates to my next one, which was do plan tomorrow's good deed. Well done. I like that. Tomorrow's good deed. That's the right thing to plan. When I was back in England, I, I joined a cult. It was a very nice cult. Uh, <laughs> if, any, <laughs> if anyone has... Uh, read any of the books by Danny Wallace. He was the guy behind Yes Man. Uh, One day he was bored, so he put an advert in the paper uh, asking people to join him. And people just started sending in letters saying that they wanted to join him. What was he going to do? And so he decided that he was going to found a cult, but a very nice one. Uh, They're called the Karma Army. And the only thing that they do is uh, Good Fridays. So on Friday, if you're part of the Karma Army, you just have to promise to do a good deed. And they even published books with some suggestions of good deeds that you could do on Friday. And uh, it was quite fun working through the book and planning out some of these things. And some of them are very small, like uh, use a vending machine and leave your change in, uh, in the machine for the next person to find. Uh, hmm. uh, walk past a barber's and as someone's coming out, tell them that their hair looks great. The second you said... Yes, I, I was part of a cult. My first thought was, and now he's part of a new cult, the Catholic Church. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, te- technically, all cult means is is a means of uh, a manner of worship. So you can actually legitimately, <laughs> even as a Catholic, talk about the cult of the Catholic yes. Church. Uh, so yeah, haters don't haters don't hurt me. <laughs> well, I only have one do not, and so my only do not was do not mm-hmm. focus on what you can't control, the unrealities. Well, that's related to one of mine. Do not put your trust in princes. In the Psalms, it often talks about do not put your trust in princes nor in the war horse. Basically, don't put your hope in earthly things to save you or to bring about utopia. There's there's only one place that we can put our trust and our hope, and that that's in God. Man, you tell me the world and pleasure and money and greed and stuff is not going to give me happiness, David. Dang it! Not a, not ultimately. Shoot. As we wrap this up, guys, we want to uh, remind you to go check out the other platforms, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, MySpace, David created a MySpace. Also, we haven't probably said this in a little bit, although I I don't think I have because a lot of mine have been interviews lately. So my wrap ups are always quicker, but please leave iTunes reviews and rates. Those are fantastic. They help us a lot, actually. They help not only with iTunes algorithm, but to be honest too, I was thinking about this the other day, they really help when we reach out to guests, scholarly guests, because 
let's be honest, people probably look, if you only have like two stars and two reviews, I doubt a scholar is going to give you their time. So we're very blessed that given just the ratings and reviews, people realize that there's a lot of you guys that are listening to this and that's just such a gift and it allows us to provide better content to you guys. So I mean it and we all mean it when we say it's really simple. Just right now you can open up your app and click that button, hopefully five stars. If you do anything less, definitely write a review because the person that did the one star, I'm like, what could we do different? <laughs> um, or is it just you suck? <laughs> so anyways, that, that means the world to us. And we've talked about before the Patreon that is just so helpful to us. We, Dave and I were actually just talking before this. We're going to be brainstorming a lot of new things we want to do in 2021. So your guys' support is so helpful. As a reminder, we don't take any of that. We cover costs. We put our own money into this. It just kind of adds to it and allows us to do more on top of what we would be doing with ourselves. And uh, we just thank you guys so much for that. And you get to be part of that amazing Slackers community. And it's just continues to grow every month. I feel like we get five or 10 new people part of it. And it's just... Uh, the highest of quality Christian individuals pursuing truth and beauty with a love of Lewis. Mm. <laughs> yes. And in particular, we want to thank our top tier supporters, Jeff, Chris, John, Kate, and Rowdy. Uh, and now we are about halfway through the Screwtip letters. I also wanted to put another idea out there. Why not start a book group? Uh, hopefully lockdown is going to be gradually loosened over the coming months, maybe think about hosting a book club where you work through the Screwtip letters with some friends, or you could do it online using Zoom. Uh, and you now have all of our episodes as a resource to help you get psyched up to talk about the escapades of Wormwood and his uncle. I'm also curious your guys' thoughts on this. This is a percolating idea in my head right now. David hasn't heard anything about it yet. Well, he's heard about one of them. So, but I would love listener feedback on this, whether it's through Twitter, Instagram, or you can go to our, our website, pintswithjack.com. Pints with the apostles or pints with the saints? I, I've been reading saints books right now. I'm reading A Man for Others, which David, we didn't do our book thing. So I would have had a good book this week. So you leave out the, <laughs> what we're reading this week when I finally have a good book. I've actually been reading I'm rereading something. I'm rereading A Man for, <laughs> yeah, I'm rereading a man for Others and I was going to reread uh, Pierre Giorgio Frasati. And I thought to myself, there's so many, so much beautiful wisdom. I could create a podcast on this. That's not going to do to the extreme that we're doing with any of this stuff in prep. It's like here are four or five things that just hit me. It's not even meant to be fully about the lives of the saints. I mean, I'd probably put together a little bit in the beginning of like this book. Here's a little bit of Maximilian Colby, but minimal, minimal prep, but really beautiful content because you're just living off their lives and how it's hitting and being received. And I haven't seen a lot of that. And there's just so much wisdom in the saints. It's another way because all of what we like to do is discover truth and beauty of Christianity, which Lewis does that. But what's another way? Seeing people who are living out the beauty of it. The Pints with the Apostles would be, as I mentioned, a Devar Bible commentary, a chapter a week going through the New Testament, like Ephesians for five weeks, six weeks. And the Navarre Bible does really the heavy lifting of Aquinas, Augustine, Jose Maria Escriva in his commentary. But it's just blown my mind. Bring it to other people. Which one do you think people would like better? I don't know if I'm going to do this yet, but I might have bought the rights to it already. <laughs> well, I had somebody stole Pints with Chesterton from you. See, good thing I'm buying these. <laughs> I mean, it would have been still available, to be honest, but still. Oh, that's one other thing. Yes, everyone, please go and listen to my wife. That's pintswithchesterton.com, and you can find Pints with Chesterton on all major podcast platforms. If you can't, please let me know. Hey, David, that should be the first thing you say, because I bet we've lost 80% by the time they hear we're done and we're just getting to the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope they'll join us next time. When we're going to be going further up. And further in. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.